I'm Zoha Malik, and I'm here speaking with Representative Salute Carbajal for KCSB's Meet the Candidates prior to the primary election on March 5, 2024. Carbajal, a Democrat, is running for re-election to the U.S. House to represent California's 24th Congressional District. KCSB News is asking candidates questions to learn about their priorities and how they hope to serve their constituents. Thank you, Zoha. Thank you for having me and inviting me to um, join you today. All right. So starting off, um, what are some major issues you would hope to address during what would be your next term as a congressman? Well, I'm hoping to focus on making sure that we continue to bring about more opportunities for Central Coast residents, economic opportunities, uh, continue to implement the historic laws that we were able to move forward uh, last year or last term, should I say, uh, significant laws like the bipartisan infrastructure law that is investing uh, many resources, already $600 million in the Central Coast for water projects, roads projects, bridge, bridges, broadband, uh, many, many projects like that. The Inflation Reduction Act, which brought about the most significant investment to address climate change in our nation's history, to bring about renewable energy uh, investments, to make sure that at the same time, uh, we bring down the cost of prescription drugs for seniors on Medicare, uh, like insulin costs starting this January, people won't have to pay who are diabetics more than $35 a month for all the insulin that they need. Um, implementing the Chips and Science Act to bring about jobs uh, for manufacturing semiconductors and certain technologies to our country while creating jobs, 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 and increasing our workforce in the STEM field. Not to mention a lot of these dollars are coming to UCSB who is a partner in promoting the Chips and Science Act and the manufacturing of semiconductor uh, technologies. Implementing the Safer Communities Act, which will bring about safer uh, methods, safer laws, like the law that was included that I sponsored, the Extreme Risk Protection Order, that'll help bring down uh, suicides and gun violence in our country, uh, making sure that all those laws uh, continue to get implemented is the second thing. And the third thing, uh, continuing to work to bring down are facing every day, whether it's housing, childcare, uh, energy home costs, uh, all the costs at the grocery stores. We've seen that inflation went up, then it stabilized, but it's still very high and families are still struggling to get ahead. So economic opportunities, economic relief, addressing climate change, and also the freedoms and rights of all uh, Americans. Uh, we've seen that uh, the rights of L the LGBTQ plus community have uh, been threatened. Uh, we've seen that uh, reproductive rights and health care uh, and access to health care for women has been threatened. And so fighting to make sure that women continue to have the right uh, to abortion and the right to reproductive health care and making sure that everybody's rights are protected. All of those things I'm going to continue to fight for, and uh, as well as addressing our immigration, uh, broken immigration system to provide a pathway for dreamers 
so that they could uh, get on with their lives and continue to live here to provide a pathway, a legalization pathway for our farm workers and their families uh, and modernize our H-2A program to provide relief for uh, those individuals that are here as undocumented and also to provide a, a, a resilient, sustainable labor force for our farms. Those are just a few of the many things that I hope to be able to continue doing domestically. And of course, internationally, uh, we want nothing more than to bring about uh, peace in the world. And there's a lot of uh, wars, a lot of conflict, and we need to make sure that we are uh, participating in a way that brings those conflicts to an end and supports our allies. All right, a very comprehensive answer, and we'll try and address some points of those later in the interview. Um, you mentioned addressing climate change. 2023 was the hottest year we've seen in thousands of years. So what are initiatives you previously taken and will take to lessen carbon emissions from the U.S.? Well, I am uh, also a sponsor of the Energy and Carbon Dividend Act, which would place a fee on carbon and throughout the United States, uh, incentivizing businesses and corporations who emit uh, uh, or provide uh, significant emissions to move towards more innovative, uh, creative technology that will reduce uh, emissions that come out into our atmosphere. And at the same time, uh, take those fees, those dollars that are collected and give them back as dividends to all Americans. Uh, it, it, it'll be a win-win for everyone. Not to mention last year, I mentioned that last term we passed the Inflation Reduction Act that brought significant investments to incentivize renewable energy, offshore wind uh, in the northern part of my district, off of Morro Bay. I've been working to bring about uh, more uh, or offshore wind, should I say, technology and uh, just continue to work to make sure that we provide the charging stations throughout the state of California and our country and the Central Coast to incentivize the purchasing of more electric vehicles uh, so that we have the infrastructure so they could charge them and, and the whole system works, allowing everyday homeowners to be able to retrofit their homes to save energy through heat pumps, uh, through uh, updated appliances, uh, solar, uh, just to make sure that we are doing everything possible to address those very important issues uh, in our communities, uh, to reduce emissions, to uh, address climate change and change the culture of, from using fossil fuels to transitioning to renewable energy. Okay, thank you. Um, and you're a member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. I'm wondering if there are any measures you've taken or want to take to improve public transportation in California or across the country? Absolutely. Well, I think the action we've taken when uh, Democrats were in charge last term, we the bipartisan infrastructure law uh, invested millions into public transit. That's rail, that's uh, public transportation, uh, bus uh, transit, you name it, it really invested significantly. And that was on top of the uh, American Rescue Plan. If it wasn't for the American Rescue Plan, which no Republican member of Congress voted for, uh, we would not have been able to sustain our public transportation system. 
a bus, public transportation would have become obsolete. And I'm proud that we were able to do that then. And now through the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, continue the, the investments to make sure that we have a robust public transportation system at all levels. All right. Um, moving on to housing. I'm a UCSB student and Isla Vista is an acute example of the rising housing costs in California. Um, what do you think is the biggest contributor to these prices and what do you plan to do to address this issue? Well, first of all, make sure that the federal government continues to be a partner with the state and local governments, because this is one challenge and responsibility that falls on all three levels of government, local, state, and federal. So first, to make sure the federal government continues to provide the resources that it has always provided uh, to ensure that we have low-income housing tax credits, which uh, recently through the uh, tax uh, plan that I voted for uh, just this last month, uh, it's going to improve the low-income housing tax credits percentage available to the state of California by 12%, 12.5%. And that is the biggest single source of uh, impetus for bringing affordable housing in our country. Of course, we have CDBG, Community Block Grant Development uh, Grants. Uh, We have home funds, uh, ESG, Emergency uh, Service Grants, making sure all those resources continue. But I'm very proud of uh, a three pieces of legislation that I have been a part of or have introduced myself. The first one is Home for the for the Brave Act, which will provide increased vouchers and uh, housing opportunities for our veterans. It'll make sure that their income is not countable as the IRS currently uh, does for veterans so that they could have more uh, housing options and qualify for more opportunities through the housing programs that already exist. The second one is the Housing for All uh, Act, which would dramatically increase housing in every which way. Low-income housing tax credits, it would uh, increase our funding for CDBG, it would increase housing completely across the board for all programs, voucher programs, Um, and we would see a great result as as a result of it. And of course, the last one is the DASH Act, which I am a co-sponsor, an original co-lead and co-sponsor. And that one actually will even provide first-time home buyer assistance for middle-class families and provide more assistance uh, to those in need of housing uh, opportunities. Uh, $500 billion over 10 years, the DASH Act will provide tax credits for renters and first-time home buyers. That's a big deal. And of course, these are all bills that I hope make it over the finish line this Congress. But if not, like everybody knows, it sometimes it takes a number of years for them to make it over the finish line. Okay, thank you. Um, moving on to foreign policy. As you know, the U.S. is enmeshed in two major conflicts in particular. We're allied with Ukraine and their resistance to the Russian offensive and allied with Israel and their offensive on Gaza. Um, the United States is Israel's main ally in the country's war on Gaza. There have been, there's been criticism regarding the U.S.'s unconditional aid and military funding as uh, thousands of Palestinian civilians have been killed since the initial October 7 attacks from Hamas. And this is an issue a lot of constituents here feel strongly about. Um, there have been residents and protesters 
which have appeared at your town halls to calls for a ceasefire. Um, you've previously called for a humanitarian pause, but not an all-out ceasefire. Is this still your stance, and how do you hope to achieve stability in the region? Well, you asked me two questions. What about Ukraine and what about Israel? Heavy on Israel, so I'll come back to Israel. So Ukraine, first and foremost, Ukraine. Uh, just want to share with you that it's imperative that we continue to support uh, Ukraine. Uh, they're not part of NATO, uh, but they are aligned uh, with our values and our partnership. And we need to make sure that we provide them the support they need to thwart Russia, uh, Russia's aggression, because a threat to Ukraine's democracy is a threat to the rest of NATO and our own democracy. And so it's important that we send a message and that we support Ukraine in their fight against Russia, which will save uh, United, men and women in the United States service members from having to go to Ukraine to fight and to escalate the war into a World War III uh, circumstance. So I'm supportive of supporting uh, Ukraine uh, militarily. I've also been supportive of Israel over the years. And during this conflict, after Hamas, which is a, a listed terrorist organization, proactively went and slaughtered over 1,200 uh, Israelis, innocent Israelis, civilian Israelis. Uh, I supported, uh, in, in an atrocious way, I supported Israel's right to defend it, itself and to go after Hamas and to remove its operational capability. Uh, so, And that has been my posture all along. Now, of course, uh, all loss of life is tragic, and Israel has gone about uh, prosecuting this war in a way to accomplish their mission and their goal, of which I have been supportive, to undermine and go after Hamas. Now, in the prosecution of the war, way too many lives have been lost, and it is something that's concerning to me. Uh, that's why I pressed uh, for a humanitarian pause and more humanitarian aid uh, to go into Israel. It concerns me greatly. I have been critical of the way Israel has been prosecuting this war and the loss of life that we have seen. Uh, I don't want to dwell on, on, on a pause versus a ceasefire. The reality is I want to restore peace, and I too want this war to come to an end. Uh, but I will tell you uh, that I think there's a lot of diplomacy is going on to achieve a ceasefire, to achieve the end of this war, and uh, there's still over 100 uh, hostages that Hamas still takes. So who would reward a ceasefire with Hamas until those uh, hostages are released? And that's part of the negotiations that are going on. Somebody comes into your area, kills 1,200 of, 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 of your fellow uh, members of your country and takes uh, 250 hostages and then wants, uh, wants to have the upper leg on, on, as this war continues. And so, uh, again, I, I believe in getting us to a point where we could end this war. So if hostages were returned, you would be for a ceasefire? I think that's part of the, the, what a negotiation looks like. And absolutely, I think uh, we need to get to a point where that is negotiated. Um, moving on, um, border security has recently been a hot-button issue in Congress. Is there a humane way to contend with border security, and what is your stance on migration policy? 
Well, we're a country that's been made up, and the reason we are who we are is because of immigration ever since the start of our nation. I myself am an immigrant. I came to this country when I was five years old. I immigrated to this country when the system was a, a little less broken. Now it's really broken. So I stand for comprehensive immigration reform, but short of achieving that, which has not been possible uh, because of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle. In 2013, when a deal was crafted in the Senate, bipartisan deal, 2013, to address this comprehensively, the Republican leadership, uh, uh, Speaker Boehner back then, did not bring the item to the floor of the House of Representatives for political reasons. Political reasons. Uh, fast forward, uh, Republicans now, uh, there's been discussion because our immigration system is broken at the border and you're having uh, an overwhelming number of people, not only from Latin America and Central America and Mexico, but throughout the world. Those that weren't able to make it in through the legal process through Ukraine that were displaced, uh, uh, those that weren't able to make it in, in Afghanistan or through the Middle East or China now, Russia, everybody uh, has gotten a num our number and, and knows that because our broken immigration system exists, they want to come to the border and try to make, there's valid cases and then there's some cases that are now being exploded, exploited where people want to make a credible fear case and it's inundated the border and that's become an issue. So everybody acknowledges that there's two issues. One, it's what's happening at the border now and then the need to provide comprehensive immigration reform to address all of those that are here, the dreamers and individuals that are contributing to our economy. And we got to do both. But now the attention is on the border and the influx of individuals coming to our country. And I think there's a recognition uh, throughout Congress and throughout um, uh, our country that that needs to be addressed. Certainly, I think it shouldn't be addressed in the context of negotiating on foreign policy as it relates to whether we provided uh, aid to Ukraine or not, which seems to be the reason uh, we got into a negotiation uh, in the Senate. Nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. A bipartisan deal was uh, achieved initially. Republicans uh, that were working on this with Democrats uh, worked hard and achieved one. And then Republicans did what we've always have heard of. They, instead of thinking it, they said it. What did they say? They said, we really don't want to solve this because politically it works in our favor to not solve it. That's what Republicans said. And so they have now overtly said, no, we want to help Trump. We want to be able to still say that it's Democrats uh, at fault for what's happening at the border, not us, and continue to use, uh, use this issue as a political wedge in football and uh, use it for political reasons. They have no intention in governing, no intention in solving it. And they are now saying that publicly, which I think uh, the American people will now clearly understand where they stand. And the effectiveness of their political rhetoric, rhetoric and accusations are not going to work because the American people are not stupid. They are going to see right through their political ploy. And uh, that's what's happening right now. Uh, so Democrats stood ready to pass a bipartisan proposal forward. But now they decided that they don't want to put that on the table. Uh, so... 
in terms of immigration, I think that I'm for comprehensive immigration reform, even doing it incrementally. I have been a proponent and sponsor of the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, as well as the Dream and Promise Act. Okay. And as you have mentioned, it's become recently difficult to pass certain bipartisan legislation. Uh, how do you plan to come to efficient solutions with colleagues on the other side of the aisle? Well, to continue to impress upon them the importance that we ought to work together and we can work together and we should find common ground to do so. That's all we could do. We could take a, You could take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. My hope is I can take it to water, but I can encourage it to drink, to save itself and govern, uh, help me govern and those that want to govern so that we could uh, improve our country, improve the quality of life for people, solve problems. Uh, that's my goal and, and my guiding principle. And I will always work with anyone who's willing to work with me to find solutions. What do you consider to be your biggest accomplishment? I think my biggest accomplishment to date uh, first and foremost, before legislation, is constituent service. Uh, you know, I love when uh, people call our office uh, looking for help with federal agencies on issues, whether it's Social Security, IRS, Medicare, veterans issues, uh, passport, immigration issues, that we do all we can to assist them. Now, we're not able to solve all projects, all issues, all constituent issues, but we do our best. And... I think we do a really good job of constituent service. Yeah, we're not perfect. Every once in a while, there's something that might fall through the cracks. But overwhelmingly, we provide ex exceptional, great customer service, constituent service. That's number one. Number two, uh, I think this past term, I was grateful to uh, be here in Congress representing the 24th Congressional District. And my constituents... Uh, for the few years that I have been in Congress, have expressed to me what's important to them. I heard from them gun safety laws are important to me. I've heard from them addressing climate uh, change is important to me. I've heard from them addressing our infrastructure backlog and needs are important to me. I I've heard from them taking care of our veterans is important. Uh, addressing the inflation challenge. And so what did we do last term? We address climate change with the Inflation Reduction Act. We, for the first time, the biggest investments to address climate change. The first time to bring about uh, prescription drug reform in decades. That's what we did. The bipartisan infrastructure law, investing, making the largest investment in our infrastructure in our U.S. history. We did that. The PACT Act, provide benefits in over three decades, the first time to veterans exposed to toxic environments and who have been exposed to toxic environments and affected. For the first time in decades, the Safer Communities Act, promulgating red flag laws, my bill that I got inserted, the Extreme Risk Protection Order Act, all of those bills uh, are bills that I'm very proud of. And now uh, moving forward, a legislation like the Child Care Investment Act, the Housing for All Act, the DASH Act, um, the uh, Central Coast Heritage Protection Act, all of those bills that will bring about and lift up our families and provide opportunity, economic opportunities for them to get ahead and to be able to live a better quality of life. 
I wanted to ask about a specific act, um, the Naomi Schwartz and Susan Rose Safe Parking Act. You announced the introduction of this legislation to unlock federal dollars for a safe parking program. Can you tell me a little bit about this bill and how it deals with the issue of homelessness? Yes, this legislation, when I was a county staffer working for Supervisor Naomi Schwartz, uh, Susan Rose brought, former Supervisor Rose brought this concept to the Board of Supervisors. And Supervisor Schwartz stepped up and said, we could do that in our district. In the center of Santa Barbara, a public parking lot owned by the public, by county government. What it does is it provides an opportunity for those that are living in their cars, in our neighborhoods, throughout the communities, who don't no longer have a house because of circumstances, but yet are not completely homeless living on the streets uh, without any shelter. So their only shelter are their vehicles, a van, a station wagon, a vehicle. And sometimes it's not safe. And sometimes neighborhoods get agitated that these vehicles are in their neighborhood. They're concerned for safety reasons. And so you understand it. But to help these families, these individuals in their cars have a safe place to park overnight with restrooms that they could use, a sanitary conditions, and to help them get back on their feet before they actually fall further down to be completely homeless is what this program is trying to do. It unlocks federal dollars uh, so that uh, these safe parking programs could qualify for federal dollars to help provide these overnight parking opportunities and to help people have a, a reasonable quality of life and support system so that they can get back on their feet and uh, get back to housing uh, opportunities and to be able to find job opportunities. I'm very proud of this uh, act. I named it after the two supervisors that worked on this issue and brought it. My former boss, Naomi Schwartz, and former supervisor, Susan Rose. And I was the staffer then that worked on all the calls of people concerned about what does this mean? You're going to have parking downtown. And we addressed all those concerns. And at the end, the only fear was for fear itself because it, because it ended up being a very successful program. Okay. Thank you so much. And I don't want to take up um, too much of your time. Is there anything else you want to add? No, just thank you very much. Uh, I look forward uh, to uh, this primary election and then the general election. I feel extremely privileged to be able to represent the Central Coast and to fight and advocate for the priorities, the values, and the challenges that we are facing. And uh, I look forward to governing to improve people's lives. So thank you very much. With KCSB News, I'm Zoha Malik.